Everybody's got their sillies out? <laughs> that was amazing. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see everybody here, bright, dancing, moving. I have the distinct privilege to kick off our Rhythms of Grace series. And my usual partner in crime will not grace the stage today and join me in this tag team. We have a very capable young man who will be preaching right before I come on, and his name is Ivory. Y'all show some love for Ivory. For those of you who may not know who Ivory is, um, you might have seen him in the Adventure Kids ministry serving some of your students and some of your kids, or you might have seen him at Splash Camp working alongside of Melinda and Amy and that entire team, or you might have seen him uh, working with junior high and high school students with uh, student ministries and preaching on Wednesday nights. I mean, you might have seen Ivory, if not in those two places, you might have seen him with young adults leading a... Uh, a bunch of grown, you know, 19, 20, 25, 26 year olds um, in service. And so I can talk about Ivory forever. He's phenomenal. I want you guys to give Ivory a wonderful DSBC stage welcome. He's going to kick us off. <laughs> uh, thank you, Pastor Matt. And good morning, everyone. Um, I have to say, like, I am super, super excited to get this opportunity to, <laughs> to tag team with uh, Pastor Matt on this topic of service. This is a topic that is so, so, so important to me. But beyond that, it is extremely important to Jesus as we're gonna see today. Another thing that I am super excited about is that we have our adventure kids in the room. We have our first through sixth graders. You all know how much I love my adventure kids. And so I'm so excited that they are here and especially to hear, um, hear about this topic to hear on service because I truly believe that as they are able to grasp the idea and understand how important serving is at their young age, it will completely change their life. And as a generation, if they're able to understand it, it could change the world. And I truly believe that. So let's just dive right into it and start looking at why service is so important and serving others is so important. Now, when I was trying to think of a couple people who would be great examples of people who just serve and live a life that's focused on serving, someone came to mind. And I know as soon as I say the name, my adventure kids are definitely going to know who I'm talking about. And then a lot of you all parents, you all, if you all are honest with yourselves, you're probably going to know who I'm talking about too. The person that I'm talking about and I was thinking about is one of my favorite characters, my main man, Olaf from the movie Frozen. Who knows who Olaf is? See, I know all my adventure kids definitely know. Now, if you have not seen the movie Frozen, somehow you went the past three or four years without seeing it, your task tonight is to go home and somehow watch that movie because it's amazing. All right. But so in this movie, we have this character, Olaf, and he's a snowman. And throughout the whole movie, you see him, and he just loves helping people. You see him throughout the entire movie trying to help, trying to serve. That's all he does like throughout the whole movie. You see him doing this even at the expense of himself. You see there are scenes where he pulls people closer to the fire to try to get them better, even though him being a snowman risks his own life of possibly melting to death. You see him going out into the sunshine, helping people. 
even at the risk of him melting. He truly lived and focused on serving others. Another person that came to mind was when I was thinking about, all right, who really embodied service was Mother Teresa. Now, many of you all probably know who Mother Teresa is, and if you don't, Mother Teresa was this amazing woman who truly dedicated her life to serving and caring for the extremely sick and the extremely poor. And there's this one amazing story about Mother Teresa that I absolutely love. And it said, it goes like this. Once a man was watching Mother Teresa clean the wounds of a leper. And the man said this. He said, I, would, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. Mother Teresa turned to him and smiled and said, neither would I, but I would gladly do it for Christ. See, Jesus, he wants all of us to have this type of servant heart. He wants all of us to live this type of life that truly focuses on serving others, as we see in the character Olaf and as we see in Mother Teresa. See, Jesus was trying to get this point across to his disciples in Matthew 25, just a few days before he was going to be handed over to be crucified. You see, have this beautiful scene where Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, talking to them about the kingdom of God, talking to, him, to them about how he's going to come back. And one of his last parables that he really wanted to get across to them, he mentions and he talks about why it's so important for us to serve. It's in Matthew 25, 34 through 46. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along or you can follow along on the screens. Jesus says this. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brother, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord. See, there are two huge points that we can take away from what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable. The first one being this, the way Jesus will identify his followers are by the, is by the way that we love, we care, and serve others. See, it won't be by how much we go to church. It won't be by how much we read our Bibles. It won't be by how much we tithe and offer. Yes, don't get me wrong, all of those things are extremely important, and we all definitely should be doing them and focusing on them because they will strengthen our relationship with the Lord. But Jesus says on that final day, the way that he will identify his followers is by the way we care, 
we love and we serve others. The second point that we can take away from this lesson that Jesus is trying to show us in this parable is the why. The why behind why Jesus says we must serve. Let's look at who Jesus tells us to serve and who he mentions for us to serve. Jesus mentions for us to serve the hungry and the thirsty, to serve the stranger, the naked and the sick, and even to serve the imprisoned. See, it probably would have been really nice and easy if Jesus was like, you know what? Just serve your family. Just serve your friends. No, just serve people that you're comfortable around, people like you, people that you're similar to. See, that probably would have been nice and simple. But Jesus doesn't just only call us to serve those people, but he calls us and mentions these groups that might make us feel a little uncomfortable. But he calls us to serve these groups. Why? The why is because Jesus' love is strong enough to reach anybody, no matter where they at, no matter what condition they are in life. See, the truth is, is that there is no one that is too poor. There is no one that is too lost. There is no one that is too sick. And there is no one that is too much of a criminal or too broken or too messed up that Jesus' love Truth and salvation can't reach them and completely change their life. And the way that he does that is through us serving others to show them that his love can reach them. See, Jesus even mentions this in Matthew 5, 16, when he was also talking about service. And he says this, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. But do what? But glorify your father who is in heaven. See, the way that Jesus works in us is he works through us serving others to show this world how much he loves them, to show how far his love can reach and grab them and change their life. Now, it's one thing for us to walk away and say, okay, I understand. I understand how important serving is and how Jesus calls us to serve. But the true challenge comes when we go past the understanding and we start bringing into action, where we start to think, all right, in my busy work schedule and in my time I got to spend with my family, my busy schedule, how will I focus on serving? So my challenge for you all and for myself is for us all to think about How in the midst of everything that goes on in our life, how will we live a life truly focused on serving? Thank you. So Ivory did a phenomenal job describing the why as it relates to service. Why do we serve? We serve because... We can't help but be what Jesus has been toward us. That's the why. The how is the question that's before us. Service is being all that you are, giving all that you have to meet a need, especially when it hurts and it's humiliating. Service is being all that you are, 
giving all that you have to meet a need, especially when it hurts and it's humiliating. I'll show you that in scripture. Service is not what you do, but service is who you are. If you can hear me, repeat after me. Service is not what you do. Tell the person next to you to wake up. Oh my gosh. Service is not what you do. Okay. I need you guys to, 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 to kick yourself for something, all right? S- say this with me. Service, Service is not what you do, but it's who you are. Ivory had his Olaf. I have my Simba. When I was a kid, I loved the Lion King. Not like Lion King 2 and, you know, two and a half and all that. No, 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 no. Or one and a half. I don't know what they were thinking. But I love the original Lion King. And if you know anything about Lion King or if your kids have ever seen this or, or, or students or kids, if you've ever seen Lion King, I love the scene when Simba is lied to by his uncle. Simba's like a little lion, little cub, little innocent little lion. He sees his father pass away, sees his father die. The uncle says, it's your fault, Simba. Simba feels guilty. He runs away from home and he goes to a land that he's never been to before. And in my opinion, the Pride Lands were great. Start of the movie, Pride Lands were beautiful, where Simba grew up, beautiful. But when he got to this new land, man, for, for me, it was even better. They had waterfalls, it was green everywhere. They had these like weird like bugs that were colorful. It was just beautiful, it was awesome, it was amazing. And Simba was a little weird at first, but eventually he just leaned into it and he started to sing with these two characters called Timon and Pumbaa. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy, akuna matata. And you know, you have that scene where they're walking on the little uh, log and they're, you know, just prancing around. I mean, life is beautiful. His past is behind him. The lies that his uncle told him are behind him. And all he sees now is this present. And there's no worries. No worries. Everything is just beautiful. But then the scene changes. All of a sudden, his childhood friend comes on the scene, and she's trying to hunt one of his friends because it's bad now in the Pride Lands. It's bad. The Uncle Scar, evil Scar. Scar. You know, Scar is running things in the Pride Lands now, and he's ruined the hometown. He's ruined the home team. And so now his childhood friend, Nala, is coming looking for food, and she runs into Simba. And Simba's like, oh, Nala. And Nala's like, oh, Simba. And it's crazy. And she's like, man, it's bad at home. And Simba is in this mindset that many of us get into. He's thinking, it means no worries for the rest of, this is my new life. This is my new home. Ain't nobody got time to go back home. This is new. And Nala gives him the good old guilt trip. And eventually Simba gives in and he goes back home. I love it because when he gets back home, he goes by himself. Then eventually his friends catch up with him. And Timon and Pumbaa is like, this is what you came back for? <laughs> like, this is what you call home? Everything's dark, barren. Everybody's starving. Being all that you are, giving all that you have to meet a need, even when it hurts and it's humiliating, 
is what service is. I love that scene when he goes back and he sees his family, he sees his hometown, and it's all in disarray. It's all jacked up. It's dark. And he decides that he's the one that's going to come and fix it all. My question to you, Simba. My question to you, Nala. My question to you, brother, sister, guest, friend. When things get dark, do you stay away and say, it means no worries for the rest of your days? Or do you go back into the dark space and be the light that Ivory just talked about in Scripture? The Bible encourages us as Jesus followers to let our light so shine that men, women, boys, girls, those that are wealthy, those that are broke, those who are popular, those who are marginalized, let everybody in the world see your light, not so they can pat you on the back, not so you can live a life of creature comforts, but God has called you to live a life that might hurt and that might be uncomfortable so that he can get the glory, so that he can be lifted, so, so that he can hear hooray, hooray from the whole world. In John chapter 13, there's an amazing story that's kind of stinky. Somebody say stinky. John chapter 13, verse 3 through 5 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Just for the sake of time, I got to jump right in. This story is basically, this real life account is basically Jesus in the middle of a meal with the homies, with the 12 disciples. And the custom of that day wasn't when you come into somebody's house, you know, they're going to ask you if they can take your coat and if you would like something to drink. That wasn't the custom of that day. When you came into somebody's house that day, in that time, they would ask you if you would like your feet to be washed. Everybody, most of the people wore sandals in that time, and it wasn't just like you wearing your wreaths today, and you're getting your little feet a little dusty, and you got to just dust them off when you go in the house. No, 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 no. Their roads weren't paved. They didn't have sidewalks like we have today. They had doo-doo, poo-poo on their streets. Somebody say poo-poo. <laughs> All right, let me, let me try this side. Somebody say poo-poo. Thank you. Thank you for the crop participation. Um, Poo-poo was on the streets. Why? Why? Because they had oxen. They had cattle. They, they, they had sheep that were, that were going to the market to be sold. And what animals do when they walk, eventually something's going to come out. Amen? So, so as people are walking, even if they just came from a wonderful bath, a, a wonderful Roman bath, and, and they've been, you know, their modern day sauna, you know, they, they got their little mani-pedi, they're all clean and feeling fresh. As soon as they start walking on the street, instantly they are dusty and they smell stinky. The disciples were no different, and the custom of that day was a servant had to do that kind of work. When you came into somebody's house, they would say, would you like for your feet to be washed? And then they would send their servant or their slave to wash the feet. We know this because as soon as Jesus decided to wash the disciples' feet, the disciples were like, whoa, easy, Jesus. You don't supposed to be doing this. Peter even told Jesus, don't touch my feet, Jesus. You don't supposed to be doing this. And Jesus said, I must serve you. I must wash your feet. And so then 
Peter, doing too much, says, wash my whole body, Jesus. It's in the text. I didn't make that up. Jesus sees the pride in their hearts and the poo-poo on their feet, and he decides that it is his privilege, his opportunity to serve them. He sees the pride, and he sees the poo-poo, and he responds. There's two ways. There's two hows on how you respond. First, first way that you respond is to see the need. Jesus was able to see the need because he was in the middle of the need. I just said something right there, and y'all didn't say nothing back to me. I'll say it again. Jesus was in the middle of the need, so he was able to see the need. A lot of times when we have these types of sermons, you guys get to Googling, trying to find a nonprofit to serve. And here's the thing. If you're actually in the middle of the need where people are hurting and broken within your family, within your neighborhood, within the school, within your job, when you are actually in the need, sensitive to the needs of people, actually asking them questions and getting to know them, naturally you will know what needs to be done and you'll see it. I got two people over here. You'll actually see what needs to be done and you will respond to it. But if you are so isolated and it's all about you, you're so selfish as opposed to selfless, then it's gonna be hard for you to see the pains and the burdens of those that are right in your house, right in your community right at your job, right in your hood or neighborhood. You'll, you'll, you'll see the need right there. And I'm not saying those drive-by prayers, Lord, bless them, Lord, help them. Ooh, God, she's struggling. No, 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 no. Jesus was in the middle of the need, so much so that he could smell it. It's hard for some of us to see the need because we can't smell the need because we're so distanced. Not only should we see the need as Jesus saw the need, but we should actually do something about it. We should meet the need. Somebody say, meet it. Meet it. In order, ooh, we got somebody singing back there. My kind of people, beautiful. Not only should we see the need, but we should meet it. So often we say, oh, I'm just praying for you, sister. I'm just praying for your brother. This bad thing happened to you, I'm just praying for you. And then you get in your car and you drive home. That's not the mind of Christ. That's not scripture. It's beautiful to pray without ceasing, but we need mobile prayers. We need prayers that are on the move. We need you to actually take your prayers and roll up your sleeves and get to work. The identity of a Christian is someone who actually serves, not talks about serving. Two practical things, and I will sit down. Number one, we got adults and kids in the room. One of the best ways to have a child or have a teenager become a grown adult and not be so selfish it is, it is advised to you, 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 and you to practice what you preach in front of your children, in front of your coworker, in front of your direct report. Practice what you preach in front of them and be slow to preach what you don't practice. 
model what service looks like. And I loved what we saw during Splash Camp. We had mom right here during Splash Camp. That's like our, our VBS or our summer camp here at Desert Springs. A bunch of kids, a bunch of elementary kids come and, and, and all the staff and, and everybody in the community, we serve these students. And, and I just love to see guests and members of this body, mom and you know, 12, 13 year old son serving together. How many parents do we hear about? My kid turned 19 and he ain't never been to church ever since. God is calling us to serve and to model together. Second way, second way, second way, the second how is to actually look for hurting and broken individuals and decide strategically as you are praying what does God want you to do in their life? Don't look for a relationship that will serve you. That's a good business opportunity for you. Or it's a job offer eventually. Look for relationships that have nothing to give back to you. Y'all got quiet right there. Look for relationships that have nothing to, what did disciples have to offer to Jesus but stinky feet? A prideful heart? and poo on their feet. That's all they had to give. Doubt, backbiting, betrayal. Judas was on his way out. That's all he had to give. But Jesus still chose to serve people that had nothing to give to him. Imagine what your team would look like. Imagine what your office would look like. Imagine what your family hangouts would look like if people looked beyond themselves chose to kneel down and literally, figuratively speaking, also wash feet. God, as we pray, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to serve, kick off this series of spiritual disciplines, rhythms of grace. I pray that this isn't just a selfie opportunity for us to take a picture and say, look who we serve, look what I did with cousin so-and-so or family member so-and-so or look what I did for my neighbor. Let's take a picture so everybody can see how selfless I am. God, I pray that this is something that comes from the depths of us as Ivory spoke about, something that's a part of our identity, something that we can be recognized for, not so people can pat us on the back so that men, women, boys, and girls will see our good works and say, hooray, they'll glorify God who's in heaven. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.